0: I am tired.
1: I thought I would figure this out. I feel like I have to be perfect. Always on.
0: Always moving.
1: Why, Why is it, is it, is it all so loud? loud? <sighs> I desperately need a place where I can slow down. A space to call home.
0: A home that allows me time to process.
1: To discover who Who I'm meant meant to be. We were never meant to do life on our own. So I? I, I will be a part of something greater. greater. Quick show of hands. Who would say they have worried about something in the last, say, 48 hours? Second question, what is it that you have worried about? What is it that you've worried about in the last 48 hours? Uh, Hold on to that. I I came across a recent Ipsos poll that measured what Americans are most worried about. Here's what they discovered. 15% of us said COVID is still among the top things we worry about. 16% say it's climate change. Nearly one fourth of us say crime is something we're losing sleep over. 29% say it's political polarization. But the top worry by percentage, the one thing that blows away all other worries, inflation. 52% of us are worried about inflation. But that isn't really surprising, is it? How many of you ever worry about money? It seems no matter what our stage of life, regardless of what is happening in our world, we tend to worry most about Money, I'm guilty of worrying about money. I mean, about this time every year, I worry about how much my landlord will increase our rent. And that usually leads to another worry about how much I've spent on rent over the past 12 years. Painful. (laughs) But why do we worry so much about money? I think it's because making and keeping money can quietly become the primary focus of our life. And if we don't recognize that temptation, I'd say there's a good chance we are already falling for it. And, and hear this, please. Following Jesus in the ways of his kingdom is going to lead us down a very countercultural path when it comes to money and possessions. As theologian Scott McKnight says, if the kingdom vision of Jesus doesn't reshape our approach to possessions, then we are not living out the kingdom vision. Our whole intention with this U Plus series is to help us step into this life to the full that Jesus offers us. And this involves leaving behind a life ordered by the kingdoms of this world in order to enter into life in the kingdom of God. And we do that by becoming disciples of Jesus, people who hear from God and do what he says. That is the U Plus life. And so, during this U Plus series, we've been hearing from God by digging into Jesus' most famous teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. In this teaching, Jesus explains how life in his kingdom is meant to be lived. And today, we come to the part where he addresses money and possessions. And he does so by addressing a problem and then a challenge before he offers a solution. So, let's start with the problem. Jesus addresses the problem of money and possessions with three metaphors. And here's the first. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Now, in this first metaphor, Jesus talks about treasures. And the word for treasures in the original language of the New Testament isn't just referring to possessions. The the word suggests the accumulation of things as a way to experience joy. Yeah, he's talking about being driven by a a desire to acquire. Because somehow you think that thing you desire is going to bring you joy. Ever feel that desire to acquire? True confession, I kind of like shoes. Now you probably can't tell by the shoes I wear because they're not really anything special. I just like clean, new shoes. And so recently I came across a a brand of shoes from Brazil. They're they're eco-friendly, super comfortable, and, and they come in all sorts of cool colors. So a few months back, I bought a pair. They were like 80 bucks, not super expensive, but not cheap. And as soon as I bought a pair, what do you know, they sent me a discount code for $30 off another pair. Did I need another pair of shoes? No. So what did I do? I bought another pair of shoes. (laughs) Why? Because I had that desire to acquire. Uh, See, Jesus says there are two kinds of treasure. Earthly treasure, like my shoes, and heavenly treasure. Earthly treasure is all the stuff we acquire. New shoes, a bigger house, another book, a nicer car. Nothing wrong with those things, but they are temporary. And the satisfaction we get from them, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. Those shoes will scuff up. They will wear out. And so Jesus challenges us to value what is heavenly or eternal over what is temporary. Doesn't mean we don't enjoy some of this temporary stuff. He's just saying, don't treasure it. Don't chase after it. And whatever you do, don't expect it to bring you joy. And when he calls us to pursue treasures in heaven, he's not saying, you know, just forget about this life and only focus on the afterlife. No, when Jesus speaks of heaven, remember, he's talking about the non-physical, invisible, but very present realm where God dwells today, right now. Remember, with Jesus coming to earth, the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's available to us now. Uh, Author Sky Jethania writes, Jesus is talking about a treasure that is accessible to us right now. And this treasure is the presence of God in our lives. Jesus' point is that having the treasure of God is far more valuable in this life than any treasure the world may offer. When Jesus says to store up treasures in heaven, he is telling us to invest in what really matters. Storing up treasures in heaven is about investing in things that bring more of God's kingdom to earth right now. It's about investing in stuff that will actually last. You know, it made me think about how we here at Community are investing in our students. I mean, this weekend, hundreds of middle school and high school students had an amazing 24 hours together at the Stuco all-nighter. And leaders, you invested your time with these students. (laughs) And This weekend, lots of time. Those hours between say, two and 5 a.m. I mean, one hour then is the equivalent of like 10 normal hours. Parents, you invested registration dollars for your students to go. Many of you provided scholarships for students who needed assistance so they could go. And and all of us who give here at Community are investing in a ministry that is giving hundreds of students the chance to find their way back to God and experience life in God's kingdom now and forever. See, that right there, that is what it looks like to store up treasures in heaven. So in his first metaphor, Jesus challenges us to resist storing up treasures on earth and instead store up treasures in heaven. The second metaphor Jesus uses to address the problem of wealth is our eyesight. Jesus says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Darkness. Now at first glance, this is confusing. Why is Jesus now talking about my eyes and light and darkness? I thought we were talking about wealth and possessions. Well, stay with me, I learned some new insights here. The words for unhealthy and healthy are words that are meant to imply stingy and generous. In fact, if you were to look at your Bible, you'll probably see a footnote that tells you that. So if we put those meanings in the text, We hear Jesus saying, if your eyes are generous, your whole body would be full of light. But if your eyes are stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, we also need to understand something else about the context into which Jesus was speaking. Fascinating stuff, okay? Today we know that our eyes allow light to pass into our bodies, making sight possible, right? But in Jesus' day, they thought light passed out of the body through the eyes. And so Jesus uses the common understanding of his day to make his point. How we handle wealth and possessions reflects what's going on inside of us. And so if we're we're filled with the light of Jesus, generosity will flow out of us. If we're filled with darkness, we will hold tightly to what we have and stinginess will flow out of us. So in this second metaphor, Jesus is saying that the way we handle our money and possessions is a reflection of what is going on inside of us. Is there light or is there darkness? So let me ask you. Uh, what's going on in here for you when it comes to money and possessions? Is it dark or is it light? I I mean, is the outflow stinginess or generosity? Uh, The third metaphor Jesus uses to address the problem of money, it's pretty straightforward. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the mic drop moment of Jesus teaching here, in my opinion. And it doesn't take a theologian to understand what he's saying. There are two masters. One is God, the other is wealth and possessions. And Jesus says, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both God and money. You just can't. So all three metaphors point to this problem we have with money or wealth and possessions. Number one, too often we chase after the wrong kind of treasures. Secondly, we let stinginess rule our hearts. And thirdly, we tend to crown money as our king. And in essence, Jesus is saying, if you're gonna follow me in the ways of my kingdom, you have to address this problem of money and possessions. Because remember, If the kingdom vision of Jesus doesn't reshape our approach to possessions, then we are not living out the kingdom vision. But here's the deal. Money and possessions aren't just a problem. They can also become a significant challenge. And Jesus speaks to this challenge with these words. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food in the body more than clothes or shoes? <laughs> uh, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Question. Have you ever added any time to your life by worrying? Have you? Doctors will tell you that worry and stress actually take hours away from your life. Jesus continues, And why do you worry about your clothes? Uh, See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown under the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you, you of little faith? Now, I can imagine Jesus pointing to the flowers in a field nearby, or some birds that were flying across the sky when he said those words. And he continues, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's people who don't follow Jesus and his kingdom, They run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. The reality is that money, possessions, and wealth, they compete for our allegiance. And we tend to put our faith in them rather than in our king. And because of that, we face a significant challenge. It's worry, it's worry. And I know Jesus saying, do not worry, might feel like someone saying, I just don't think about it. Not particularly helpful, right? But you see, that's not what Jesus is saying. What he is saying is that we have reason not to worry. We have reason not to focus on whether we will have enough money or stuff. He says, look, look at how I take care of the birds of the air. Aren't you more valuable than they? And, and look at how I take care of the flowers of the field. How much more will I take care of you than these flowers? Just this past week, I had lunch with, with somebody I'd never met before. Uh, we were about to wrap up our lunch, and he says this to me. He says, uh, John, yesterday when I saw that we were meeting for lunch today, I said a prayer for you, and I got to tell you, I felt like God gave me a word just for you. Now, I, I hate to admit this, but my first reaction was, uh-oh. <laughs> but I said, okay, what is the word? And he said this, he said, I, I felt like God said, tell John not To worry about money. Tell John not to worry about money. And that was it. I don't even know this guy very well, but God knows me. And what he told that guy to tell me was something I needed to hear because I have a tendency to worry about money. Now, I know some who are with us today are going through really, really tough times financially. But I want you to know this, life in the kingdom doesn't mean all your financial problems are immediately solved, but it does mean you don't have to face it alone. We wanna help. So if that's you, please reach out and we'll help you get the help you need. You know, one survey found that even when the economy is thriving, more than half of Americans still feel anxious or insecure about money. Yeah. Arthur Brooks writes, for millions of people, Worrying about money is not a reflection of whether their basic needs are being met. In fact, this anxiety reflects deeper concerns that money can't solve. Yes, worry about money is a serious challenge. But Jesus doesn't just leave us on our own to figure out how to navigate the problem and challenge of money and possessions. He offers us a solution when he says this. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness, being rightly related to me. And all these things will be given to you as well. Right there is the solution. To seek first his kingdom. To seek first his ways. Jesus says, don't chase after stuff that won't last. Don't be preoccupied with worry over money and possessions. Instead, day in and day out and how you buy and sell and how you give and take, let me be at the center of it all. The problem, the challenge so many of us have when it comes to money and possessions is that we take our focus off of Jesus and his kingdom. In fact, I will guarantee that if you center your life and identity on money and possessions, you will be eaten up by worry. If you center your life on money and possessions, I guarantee you will be eaten up by worry. Jesus knows this and he offers a better way to seek first his kingdom. And then he will take care of those things you tend to worry about. And that's why I think generosity is such an important part of our journey as disciples of Jesus. You see, giving back to God is a, it's a tangible way that we can seek first his kingdom. God calls us to give, not because he needs our dollars and cents, but because he knows that when we give, we invest in his kingdom work on earth, and that begins to free us from our worry over money and possessions. The bottom line in Jesus' teaching is this. If we are to follow in the way of Jesus, we have to reshape how we think about money and possessions. I'm going to hand off to your local teaching pastor, so that he or she can share with you what this U plus approach to money and possessions might look like.
2: Uh, well, this morning we have the privilege uh, of welcoming up one of our own, Krista Lafferty, who's going to come and do just a little conversation with me. Krista, if you could give a round of applause, Krista, thanks for coming up.
0: Thank
2: you. So Krista is a small group leader here at Community. She also works in the Chicago Public Schools as a specialist in speech pathology. Am I getting that right?
0: I am not in Chicago Public Schools. I got so I much wrong already. I am in a already. different public school district though, so that's okay. So very close. <laughs> uh, that's
2: great. So I we're all going to learn things <laughs> together about Krista oh, this morning. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons why I was just really excited to ask Krista to come and reflect with us. I think we can talk about money, you can hear the preacher get up on stage and talk about generosity, and yet it can be so challenging on the ground with the sense of like, do, how do you do this? How do you get started? How do you take what you have as a professional living in the city and actually offer any of it back to God. And so I uh, have just been so blessed by Chris not only being a leader in our church, but also just consistently being generous here in community Lincoln Park. And so for that reason, I wanted to ask her a few questions. First of all, being Krista, what was generosity like for you? Where did generosity, uh, what was it kind of like growing up around money?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, um, my parents definitely modeled for me and my siblings what it looked like to live a generous life, um, both with their time, their talents, and their finances. Um, Greed was something we regularly talked about growing (laughs) up and the dangers of falling into it and stay away. And um, it was also kind of our expectation, like, you will be generous in this family, (laughs) you will. And so um, while it was Maybe not always the most fun. Um, <laughs> it definitely helped me develop good habits, um, as well as like a healthy relationship with finances and yeah. with possessions. Um, I would also share.
2: You mentioned my m- mom. Mom.
0: mom yeah. is my dad's mom. She has since uh, passed away, but um, she's definitely my inspiration when it comes to many things in life, but especially generosity. She. Uh, was very adamant that every single month she and my pop-up would give away a bare minimum of 20% of yeah. everything that wow. they had um, and often going above and beyond 20%. Um, she would hand write checks at the kitchen table every month to support the local church as well as different organizations yeah. um, and just pray over all of the people that she was hoping that their money could impact. Um, and they lived in the same three-bedroom, two-bath house yeah. as long as I knew them, right? And yeah. so um, it's not that they had a ton of money, it's just that they knew they had what they needed and the rest they could go above and beyond in being generous mm-hmm. with. That's
2: yeah, it's incredible. It's so amazing that generosity requires these kinds of <laughs> models, right? Like, it, we actually have to see someone being generous to help us imagine what being that kind of radical generosity could look like in our own lives what what do you think as uh i'm thinking specifically of young professionals here in the city my sense as a millennial and uh, knowing many millennials and gen z we almost seem to particularly struggle with generosity like when john ferguson talks about new shoes we buy more new shoes than maybe our parents generation did and so i was just curious to have you reflect for us as a sort of similar age, demographic, young professional in the city, there's often this sense that we don't have enough to give. How have you faced into that as a young professional?
0: Yeah, so um, well, when I first started attending community, I was a grad student. And so at that time, it was hard to give, because I just didn't have a lot um, coming in. Um, But then once I started working, I knew, okay, having a regular check coming in means regular giving has to go out. Um, And it was just kind of a discipline I set up through, I do not handwrite checks every month. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Set the auto pay, and then don't even be tempted to spend it. It's kind of how I've approached it, both with the church as well as other uh, kind of justice-focused organizations out there. Um, And yeah, I mean, God tells us, I will meet all of your needs. So just really trying to remind yourself of that whenever it feels too stressful.
2: I love that. I was just going to ask, any final encouragement for someone here this morning, uh, whether they are steady and they're being sort of prompted to give for the first time, or maybe just overwhelmed financially, student, uh, stressful situation, what would be your encouragement to them around God showing up in your own life with generosity?
0: Yeah, um, I would say that um, lean into that promise that God will meet all of your needs. I think that when we open ourselves up for him to do that by giving, even when it feels challenging or feels a little bit scary, you're giving yourself the opportunity to receive his love and his provision in a really tangible way and in a story you could share with others. Um, And I think that having the opportunity to receive his love and care in that way could maybe benefit you more than the dollars would have.
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: Can we give Krista a round of applause just for being willing to share? Um, I'm just gonna transition us now to a time of coming down to this table, which we share every week, and yet I am struck uh, that there in Matthew 6, where Jesus talks about not worrying, Jesus also teaches us this prayer where he invites us as followers of Jesus to pray every day, give us today our daily bread. And I love that here at this table, we get a chance every week when we gather at Sunday, not just to remember what Jesus has offered us in his body and blood, but also to just tangibly see (laughs) this embodiment that God will provide you your daily bread. And so I just want to pray over you if you are stressed right now about money, if you are feeling the Lord moving around uh, your relationship to money, and if you are in a particularly difficult season, may this table be a reminder to you that God does want to meet all of your needs. Let me pray for us. Lord, we ask you to come here now even as we are about to approach your table. We pray and we need, Lord, you to follow through on your promise, your promise to meet all our needs. I want to pray especially, Lord, right now for the students that I know we have here in our community, students uh, who have very little, if no money coming in, uh, (laughs) who are doing their best, Lord, to lean into their future. Would you meet them here at this table? Remind them that their degree matters, that you have a calling on them and yet prompt them, stir them, teach them the discipline of release. Uh, Lord, I want to pray for the young professionals here in our community. Those who have just started jobs, those who are just settling into careers, those who probably are getting more money now than they maybe thought they would (laughs) as a young teenager, and yet, Lord, are being invited in to this radical act of releasing their money back to you in faith that you will meet all their needs. Lord, may even this Sunday be a turning point in their story, be an opening up of their hands and hearts, be a pouring in of peace that they don't have to live their life in pursuit of money. And finally, Lord, I know there are some in our community who have been incredibly generous, those who have been giving out of what you've given them. And Lord, I pray that here at this table, there would be a reminder and an encouragement a nourishing that through all of this, you have actually been providing them their daily bread and you want to continue to meet all of their needs starting here at this table. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.